This is Shinji Kagawa, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Botzko, and I'm joined by the one and only Luca Gier. Hello, Luca. Hello, Stefan. We're having a podcast for two. Yes, um, I, I thought we'll mix it up a little bit. Um, also, I don't think it's going to be such a long podcast, but um, after we covered uh, the new guys last week with uh, Diallo and uh, Delaney, among others, um, I thought it's it's time to look at the players that left Borussia Dortmund and at the players that um, should or could leave Borussia Dortmund and of course um, take a quick look at uh, Sebastian Kiel who uh, was presented by the club on I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday I, I can't remember I was busy celebrating Independence Day in the United States <laughs> um, so yeah um There's that. Um, I, I guess in case there are any Arsenal fans listening to this and want to know who Socrates is, I, I think this is uh, where we should start then. Uh, Socrates obviously joined Borussia Dortmund in 2013, coming in from Werder Bremen, where he played as a center back, but also as a right back. And um, at the time, it was a really sensible signing. Um, Dortmund needed to reinforce Basically, their center-back position needed a backup for Subotic and Hummels because for a very long time, they were going without a really good other center-back. I mean, yes, they had Felipe Santana. Wait, wait, wait. He was considered to be the best uh, third center-back <laughs> in the league for like 10 years. Yes, but for also... No reason. <laughs> If, if, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why, but, um, there are also, uh, you know, games where Dortmund had to play with Marian Zar in the Champions League in Marseille, I think. And, um, he did at, great. At some, yeah, he did great. So, um, overall, Dortmund needed a bit more cover at the center back position. Maybe I'm, I'm screwing up the timeline here a little bit. Um, but Luca, to keep it somewhat short, um, how do you, see now looking back at Socrates stay at Dortmund how do you see his uh, role that he played and how do you think the the transfer worked out and how do you think he developed over these five seasons yeah I think it's it's one of those transfers where basically everyone can be happy with it um, I mean it, it remains to be seen what he does for Arsenal and if if they are they will be happy with him but I think it's it's a good transfer for Dortmund and Socrates as well. When he came to Dortmund um, five years back, he kind of immediately played well. Uh, like the first few seasons were great. Um, I think for many people, he won player of the season uh, maybe once or twice in his time at Dortmund. Um, and 
I've I've always been kind of critical of him because he's not the best on the ball, and I have this thing for for centre backs who can you know put uh yeah I don't know can try a dribble or have can uh, split the defense with the pass, but that's not the main job of a defender, and the main job of a defender. Um, is what uh, Socrates excels in. That's what he's good at. He can take out uh, a world-class striker completely out of the game. Uh, we saw that multiple times when, when Dortmund played Bayern and Lewandowski was just miserable after a few uh, <laughs> after a few uh, minutes. Not, not, not in recent games. No. But, <laughs> but in general, you are right. Yeah. yeah, not in recent games. But um, generally, uh, Socrates managed to to take him out of games on occasion. And he can do that to to strikers. But there's also the, this problem, not only his uh, limits on the ball, but, you know, he, he tends to rush out of, of the back four and is not as disciplined as, f for example, Subotic was, which is why uh, Klopp mostly stayed uh, with Subotic, even though many fans said, oh, no, we have to start Socrates, he's way better. But Subotic was just a better fit next to Hummels because Hummels also likes to rush out of the defense and um I mean if you only have him doing that and the other defender is basically covering for him um I'm not sure how that's going to work out at Arsenal that I don't know them well enough for that but he's fine when he can do that and he's he's great defensively in in you know in one-on-ones and all that but he's just not an amazing footballer <laughs> Yeah, what was really interesting to see how Socrates developed. Um, first, it took a while, I think, a season or season and a half. But at some point, he was considered ahead of Subotic. I think that also had a lot of, uh, a lot to do with Subotic's injury, obviously, uh, ligament tear, ACL. Uh, rupture so um but that you know Zabotic never really made it back and um Socrates as any other center back obviously had his best time next to Mats Hummels, um especially because he knew his place he knew that Mats Hummels was really and really is world class and at anticipating at reading the play and rushing out of defense and he would be the guy to cover And I think Socrates was, was really good at, good at that. And uh, as soon as Hummels left and Socrates was poised to become the, uh, the leader of the backline, this is, I think, where things started to fall apart because in, in my view, he is not a leader. Um, may, maybe from his body language, he is, you know, he likes to wave around. I think he has a winning mentality. I like, I think he's gritty and, and whatnot, but, um, throw out all the phrases. Give, yes. Give, give them to me. <laughs> but when it comes to giving team tactical instructions, I think they are weaknesses. And I think also in, uh, the, the, let, let's, let's put it this way. I don't think Socrates is good at reading the game. And making decisions, you know, when to move out of the center, uh, out, out of the back line and, and, uh, trying to steal the ball and when to fall back. And also he was one of the culprits last season, especially where he was caught ball watching. It wasn't exclusively last season, <laughs> but under Peter Bosch, it was really a terrible problem and it didn't really, uh, Yeah, it got a little better under Peter Sugar, but not too much. Um, 
there was a time where when opponents had an attack and would uh, run all the way through to the goal line to cut it back, all the players would also just all the Dortmund players would just rush to the goal line and, and n never cover the people in, in the space behind, leaving the entire uh, yeah box almost open. And uh, yeah, that's that's something Socrates is also at fault for for a not realizing the danger and b not organizing his defense in midfield properly enough. Um, so. If you're an Arsenal fan and uh, you want to find out what Socrates is, I would say he is really good at tackling. He is very resolute in in one-on-ones and he is a good last-ditch defender. Um, this, I think, is is something very positive and something Arsenal also rely a lot on just because they are not very good structurally. Maybe Unai Emery will change that. Who knows? But uh, as soon as... as uh, he needs to anticipate plays, then it, it can get very hairy. Um, <laughs> I would, I would actually think the, uh, yeah, the, the, the first, the first goal that, um, Schalke scored in the, uh, reverse fixture this last season, um, is the, the perfect example. I, I mean, Master Schmetzer got a lot of stick for having a really poor touch. And, and I think Daniel Caligiuri then sold the ball off him. But Socrates could have easily covered that space and he was just running out of his back line for no reason. And that opened up the chance for someone else. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Harit or so to score. Nice um, of you to remember, uh, to remind us all of that. Yeah. But, but I think that that was a perfect example for, for, uh, Socrates, uh, yeah, minus points. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. He he just he just sometimes open up the space by by moving forward and being a too late or or just completely trapped in in no man's land. So um, overall a very good defender. Um, but I think in the in the last campaign, especially once Mats Hummels left, he really struggled and uh, Dortmund needed to find alternatives. Also, someone who is better at uh, you know handling the ball, as as you just already touched upon. And I think with Akanji and Diallo, and also Toprak, uh, Dortmund have three center backs that should be more capable for the overall style. So. Um, as much as I liked Socrates as a as a person, and obviously he kind of had, had cult status by never smiling ever <laughs> yeah. and just looking mean at at opponents, that was kind of cool and was kind of funny. I, I think it's uh, Socrates Shrug was also amazing. Just yeah, you know, like he, what me? He, he just he almost killed someone and then <laughs> just shrugged it off. That's yeah, that was always hilarious. But I I think it's it's not a really good time for him uh, to go to Arsenal. Because I also don't like Arsenal, so. <laughs> so <laughs> no, but then uh, should, should we go get Louis on the? On the no, uh, no, not this time. But uh, no, obviously Socrates, um, a really cool player and sort of of a hero. But I think sometimes his skills were a little overstated because uh, you know the uh, hard tackling guys sometimes get a little bit more love by the fans in Dortmund than the other guys. But nevertheless. Um, yeah, it's it's now the perfect time for him to leave. And hey, that's also a really good segue for Gonzalo Castro, isn't it? <laughs> uh, poor Gonzalo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
when he uh, when when it was announced that he left for Stuttgart, which I think is a very good transfer for both clubs, fee around five six million or so, not mm. too high, but he's also thirty one years old by now. I think. Um, I think Castro was signed to be a utility player to to enhance the level of depth. And in his time at Dortmund, I think that's just what he did. He had very good performances and really bad performances. Um, but overall, I think it was a successful tenure for him at Dortmund. How would you assess his campaign, let's say, in black and yellow? Um, it's It's tough with him. I think I, I'm not sure if he was actually bought as a utility player, but I th that's what he turned into at least. Um, I think he was kind of bought as an as a successor for Gunnar because they all thought he was going to leave, but then he uh, extended his contract for one more year, and then they were kind of stuck with both of them. And um, yeah, as a utility player, if he was bought as that, I don't think he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was he was kind of alright. I, I think you can have definitely you can definitely have worse squad players than him in your squad. And um there was good Castro and there was bad Castro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh like uh, who I don't know who coined that term. Was it uh, was it Jason? I'm not sure. Um but however, whoever coined that term, uh, good job. Because that That's what, what it was with him. He had a good game and then he had a terrible game right afterwards. And it usually was that way throughout his time. And then I think this season he, he just, um, um, for Castro and I think it goes for Socrates as well that they both struggled with, uh, the bombings and the, or the bombing and the attack. It was already mentioned by, by Peter Bosch. And I think in, in, during the winter break, when he was uh, already not at Dortmund, um, that Socrates was not much of a leader or not as much of a leader as he expected him to be. And I think the, the same kind of goes for Castro that he just wasn't capable, um, this season, um, in his current state of mind to be much of a leader and to help maybe the younger players. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was kind of the downfall this, this season and maybe a new start in Stuttgart will be good for him. The same with Socrates and Arsenal. Yeah. The thing about Castro is that, um, I, I, I can't really assess how much of a role he played in the dressing room of the field and so whether he was a big help to younger players or not, but, uh, considering that, um, You know, the, the professed restart is, you know, the one term that always pops up is discipline that, uh, Kiel and Summer and Sork and Watzke, they all want to see more discipline. I, I think obviously there's a problem with younger players. There was the entire Aubameyang scenario and Dembele and whatnot, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, certainly transcended, uh, that and, uh, You know, they want to form an entirely different culture. And I, I think that Castro, as one of the more experienced players, you know, like everyone else, you know, they certainly deserve some blame, I think, for the uh, culture they had in there. Um, you know, obviously the dynamic of a group is very complicated and very complex. So it's, it's not like I'm pointing my finger on Gonzalo Castro and saying he is the, uh, 
guy that's at fault for Dortmund's lack of discipline. <laughs> that would probably be way too easy. Uh, nevertheless, though, on the field, he was never one to really step up. Uh, he had his, his games uh, where he was uh, really great and uh, a lot of things worked out perfectly. And you could see that he has a lot of quality, but he never really managed to be consistent about it. And, um, the, the one thing said to say, to be said about Castro is that he, I think, has a really, he has a lot of great ideas on the field. However, usually he just cannot weigh a pass. Um, sometimes you feel like a pass from him is perfectly weighed and, you know, he just finds the perfect timing and then speed and momentum to play the ball. And sometimes they're just simply overhead. Um, just too many times there was, you know, a pass that was just overhead or the, the passing angle just wasn't right to, to meet the destinations. So, um, that was always a bit frustrating about him. And also, um, I think sometimes Castro just thought he would be better in a, in a dribble than he actually was. So he lost the ball quite often, um, when it wasn't necessary. And obviously, a big issue with him also was the pressing resist resistance. I, I think, you know, players like Kagawa so are much better equipped than, than Castro. And, um, if you pressure him, um, that's always going to be a problem. And I thought, I think Dortmund also often struggled when they relied on Castro to be like the only source of creativity on the field from the, uh, you know, defensive and central midfield. If, if that was the case, Dortmund often struggled to create anything because Castro isn't much of a creator, uh, when there's, you know, when there are very little runs, he is not the one who takes the ball and dribbles and, and, and creates space per se. If there are spaces to play into, I think he can be a really, really good player, but, um, yeah, he was never at the level to really sustain at Dortmund to to be the guy that really remains there and, and and puts his mark on the team obviously as as previously mentioned i i thought he had tremendous games and games where he won games for Dortmund um i, I th think for example of a was it a semi final i think it was a way to Hertha Berlin yeah i was going to mention the same game yeah yeah, that was uh, one where he obviously scored from distance, but overall just had a really great game. I mean, his, uh, you can really fault his, um, his, uh, industriousness, his, his work rate on the field. I think that was always really good. I also think that uh, from a defensive standpoint, maybe people may disagree with me there, but I thought the way he runs, you know, the way he closes down space is actually not bad. I was, Thought from a defensive kind of standpoint, he was solid, you know, maybe not outstanding, but at least a very solid player. Somewhere between solid and good, I would even say. So, um, ov overall, as an all rounder, he was really good. Only that uh, experiment playing him as a right back didn't <laughs> quite work out. <laughs> it made, made for a fun game though against Otz. Yeah. Yes. The, the, I mean, it was a fun <laughs> game, but he also only lasted 45 minutes yeah, in that position, true. I think. Sure. So, yeah, what do you make of Castro? Uh, obviously, he he played a very. I mean, he, he played a lot of games, especially once Genuan was gone. But um, yeah, Dortmund were 
always sort of yearning for more quality on, on that very key position that he usually played in. But they also struggled to find someone. Mahmoud Ahoud certainly wasn't the guy just yet. Maybe he can become a player to excel on that, that position. Julian Weigel obviously struggled for a long time. Nuri Shine never really ex- excelled either. And uh, I want to say to me, Gonzalo Castro is a number eight. And he was often used as a number six, especially by Stuttgart. I think that was a general misunderstanding now, come to think of it, as a double eight with, let's say, Götze or Kagawa and, and Royce. It sometimes worked out, but it, it, I don't know. It just never excelled really. And that was sort of frustrating to see that, you know, at Leverkusen he had a lot of good games too in that position. But, um, yeah. After all, I think Dortmund have better players than Gonzalo Castro and uh, should have better squad players after the summer. Uh, though a guy like Delaney also has to prove that yet. So we'll see. Anything to add on Castro or should we just move on? Let's move on. All right. All right. Um, I, I guess we, we can uh, briefly touch on uh, Felix Passwag. Um, who is, uh, now a player at Norwich. Um, he was, uh, loaned out last season at, at Hoffenheim. Obviously, that didn't go down too well. Um, he only played, uh, 73 minutes in the Bundesliga under Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, he had like, uh, 1052 minutes in, uh, the fourth division. Um, which is obviously not what, uh, Paslak had hoped he was basically going to Offenheim while, Jer- while Jeremy Toyan, uh, went to Dortmund. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, I guess re- representative of how tough it is to implement a player from your own youth system into the, uh, the professional team, the senior team, especially if you're Borussia Dortmund and, uh, the jump is just that big because, uh, like Christian Pulisic, Paslak was uh, part of the team that with uh, Hannes Wolf won like, I think three German championships in a row. First with the use under, under 17 and then with the under 19, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Paslak also looked quite comfortable in, in his first strides as a right back and Lukas Piszczek described him as the future on that position at some point. But, um, I would say in his uh, last season at Dortmund, where he played around, I, I think 500 minutes even or so, but he just didn't, didn't really look good. Maybe it was just, was it the second half of the season or the entire campaign? I can't really remember. Um, but, uh, at, at some point he just declined and, uh, yeah, was not exactly defensively solid. And I thought alone would do him a world of good. But, uh, as we now know so far, hasn't worked out for him. So we'll see how it goes under Daniel Farke. Now, in the uh, English second division. Um, Luca, do you think that there is a way back for Felix Paslak to Dortmund? I mean, he's a guy, uh, from, from the region. Obviously, he could be a potential player that fans can actually identify with him. He's a very physical guy, um, that helped him in the, in the youth. But do you think that in, in the professional life, he's now 20 years old, uh, there he possesses the quality and, and the potential to actually make it at Dortmund when he returns, if he returns. I mean, as you said, it's, it's really tough for a club like Dortmund, um, who has, which has great 
players uh, in their squad um, to implement players from the own youth. But it's also about the quality of those players within the youth. And to answer your question, whether I think he has the quality to play for Dortmund one day, at least as a regular, I, I don't think so. Um, back when I kind of extensively watched the um, that team with uh, you, you mentioned with Pulisic and Burnage and at that time uh, still playing Patrick Fritsch and also Brun Larsen who came to the team a bit later. I, I always thought, um, I mean, Pastak was always touted as one of the most talented players of the bunch. And I think, I mean, he was in the in the upper half, basically, of the team. But I'm not sure if I would, would have put him in my top three out of just out of that under-19 team. I mean, Pulisic was f by far the best player out of that team. And then uh, just out of, from, from a talent uh, standpoint, I think Fritsch and maybe Burnage and Brun Larsen were also probably better than Paslak, who, yeah, like you said, relied on his, on his, uh, you know, athleticism. But <laughs> although he's not the most, um, you know, enduring guy, he always had a bit of a problem in the last few minutes of a game. And then when he played for the pros, he, he just, I remember him not playing many passes forward and uh, usually taking the pass backward uh, as a safer option. And that's kind of not what you want in, in a right back. So I, I don't, I don't think he will make it at Dortmund. I, I, I'll happily be wrong and uh, see, see him play a great season at Norwich and then return to Dortmund. But, yeah, I personally don't see it. I, I'm not sure why he's so overhyped. Um, at least on, on my timeline on Twitter, people seem to, or at least my mentions seem to think he's some, some sort of a world beater who, you know, is better than Pischek and should start games. But I mean, we saw in Hoffenheim, he didn't, he played in for their second team. He didn't play for their first team. So I, I, I just don't think he's that good, to be honest. Yeah. Let's, let's put it this way. He obviously has some technical quality i think that's undeniable um he also had you know he he showed i think in the super cup it was against Frank Ribery, uh, where he had a really good game that's he he is competitive so it's 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 not like all hope is lost on him just yet but from a cinema standpoint uh he's basically on the opposite spectrum of eric Durm. i think you explained it quite uh, well once that because of his uh muscle mass <laughs> yeah <laughs> that uh he, he tires out just too quickly and uh, that he is just too bulky and um that's obviously a problem uh usually for players you know with sports science these days you know they they should be able to work problems out like these um but uh yeah so far we haven't seen much and obviously we haven't seen much at all of him uh, recently so it's really hard to assess his development i wish him all the best at norwich and i i hope he can uh yeah kickstart his career a little um because the, the transition to be a full-time pro hasn't quite succeeded yet and um i think in, in general terms may, maybe not concerning Puslak, but in general terms dortmund also had a lot of tough luck with injuries in their youth department um the the guy who I always thought would uh, be the heir of Lucas Pischek was actually Julian Koch, um, who I thought had a lot of potential, um, but 
he had, I think, a very horrible knee injury, and then he went to Fortuna Düsseldorf, and uh, yeah, sort of at some point he, he was never seen again, or wasn't Mainz. I can't even remember, but yeah, he went to a bunch of clubs, I think. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he he looked like a, a player that could, uh, you know, become someone a great, great really tech. reliable. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, sometimes we also just high players and then they're just not that person we think they are yeah. i mean uh, jeremy dudziak is maybe the best example oh, there yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> who at the under 17 world cup at some point really dazzled everyone and we were like man he's like the next Ivra or something and so yeah he just didn't want to play he just didn't want to play left back at anymore no just yeah yeah at san Pauli, he uh never really became that guy we were hoping for um And obviously there were uh, many more injuries. I don't want to go into uh, more detail now, but if you want to list a couple of players, be my guest. No, just, I, I mean, I listed one guy, Patrick Fitch. I, I thought he would, he had all the tools to become a great center back. Um, or we can even go back to Marian Saar. I mean, he, he was one of the, uh, maybe the best center back I've ever seen in, on the youth level. He just uh, toyed with his opponents uh, technically and he played a great game against Marseille and, You know, then, yes, he did. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I think it w was his knee. I'm not sure. I think it was ACL or something, uh, multiple times. And now he's playing for, I think, Wolfsburg too or so. So, yeah. I mean, Marvin, Marvin Dux also at some point seemed to be a player that could be, a, you know, a really great striker for Dortmund. Obviously never quite worked out. I think he had a chance, but also he was slowed down by an injury. Um, I don't know if he if he really would have made it, but uh, he certainly had some qualities at, at youth level that uh, yeah stood out. He was a very prolific goal scorer, but um, yeah, also now um, is he is is he playing in the second division? I can't remember for whom he's playing right now, but um, oh, he he played for Kiel and now he transferred to exactly isn't isn't didn't he transfer to Düsseldorf? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's. It. So he's um, playing. So he's playing Bundesliga now. Yeah. See. Um. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Düsseldorf he's, yeah, isn't he, quite yeah, he's playing for Düsseldorf. Yeah, I just remember because I I jokingly tweeted that I will now get a, a season press pass at Düsseldorf. <laughs> <laughs> And he's he's also the most misspelled player probably in the world. Yes. Play. He's spelled with a C K, not a K. So. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know why people don't get that. Uh, so. Go on. <laughs> And anywho, so um, yeah, that that sort of concludes uh, our little uh, yeah debriefs of of players that sort of left. Um, Weidenfeller maybe. Ah uh, yeah, Weidenfeller. Yeah, uh, I don't know. We have said so many things about <laughs> Weidenfeller. <laughs> I mean, he's a oh, we, legend. We, we'll always have that bicycle kick. <laughs> yeah, that was great. But no, honestly, Weidenfeller obviously uh, in his peak would say 2012, 2013, yeah. 2014 even, um, just before the World Cup <laughs> when he met Manuel Neuer, it all ended for him. Mm. But uh, and in that time, I think he was uh, one of the best keepers in Germany, uh, obviously not surpassing Manuel Neuer, but uh, he was so consistent. He was uh, a really great personality at the end uh you know we have to say uh, in his uh, many years at Dortmund he also developed quite well as a character <laughs> very yeah, positive yeah. development you, can, you could say that yeah after uh insulting Gerald Asamoah as a black pick <laughs> and then I think they changed it to a gay pick 
because somehow being gay yeah. is uh, is better than being black. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that 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 just gives you the uh, the history of of one Roman Weinfeller. But uh, yeah, in, in the end, I, I think he is uh, way past uh, these antics and uh, one yeah, very so. likable guy now. And <laughs> and uh, yeah, obviously he achieved legendary status at Dortmund easily. Also, just by the way he played, I, I think uh, he was a really fun and entertaining goalkeeper. He, he managed to always be in the right position, and Bayern fans would get really upset that he's basically <laughs> just standing there getting shot at. But yeah, you know, <laughs> it was actually a very quality goalkeeping. And uh, I always say on this podcast and everywhere else that I assess a good goalkeeper based on his consistency and not necessarily on on the spectacular saves he makes, but. You know, if you manage over a season to uh, have a proper decision making and 100% of your decisions are the correct ones, that makes you a better goalkeeper than, uh, you know, poking this one ball out of the top corner once, I think. So that's also my one gripe with uh, Uman Burki. And with that, we come to players <laughs> that maybe should leave the club. <laughs> no, let's not, let's not go there. But, uh, yeah. Can no, I, can Burke I, can I make a, can I make a bad joke about Anfila? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, one could say he's he's better at at, at getting shot at than Fifty Cent. And now now we can carry on. Oh Jesus! I shouldn't have. <laughs> I should, should have not allowed that. Anywho, so <laughs> uh, Roman Burki uh, uh, now is wearing the number one. Uh, they changed a couple of numbers around, so I will be confused at least until October. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. Um. I don't even know who who else got uh, different numbers because I was uh, not going to click on a photo gallery by Ronach. I'm sorry, Florian, if you're listening to this, never gonna happen. Um, so <laughs> I'll just have to wait and see. I, I think um, I think Gomez got the 17 or something. Yeah, that's a good number. And yeah. Sergio Gomez, obviously a player uh, that uh, we like yeah, gets a, gets a lot of praise. Uh, so we'll we'll see how he works out. Um so Luca, you obviously uh wrote down your list of players you you know <laughs> it's it's sad, but uh it's it's a part of sport players get cut, uh, you know, if you want to do a restart and a squad overhaul and bring in a lot of new players, you also need to get rid of some. So um I guess uh you, you name a name and then tell me why he should leave and uh yeah, who's who's your number one pick for needs to oh, go? Oh, <laughs> are, are we drafting? Um, yeah, we 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 we. It's a dump draft now. Okay. Basically. Um. So basically, the thing is, I think the the squad was too big last season already. And okay, Mr. Bosch. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Bosch and Mr. Everyone basically. <laughs> um. And uh, so far, we basically they've signed four new players and three players kind of left f for them basically or the same at the same position um both came in and no winger has left so far so my first pick would go to a winger and um the honor goes to uh, an one andre schuler <laughs> so he's the number one <laughs> he's the he's the number one pick for me <laughs> all right uh yeah i i know it's just it's, because it's he really... plays the position wolf came in for um yeah so <laughs> Obviously, we have to take this segment with a giant pinch of salt, and uh, you know True. I don't want to insult any players. However, no bad feelings. Um, um, no maybe, bad feelings. maybe, maybe, maybe. 
Maybe a few. Okay. Um, all right. So why do you think Andre Schüller needs to go? Um, I think it would be the best for him and the best for Dortmund for him to go. Um, he's, he's just not that good. <laughs> that, that's, wow. Yeah, that, that, that level of insight that, is amazing. Yeah, that's what everyone is here for, right? Um, I think he was, he was bought mainly to keep Thomas Tuchel somewhat happy. Um, because they've worked together and, uh, afterwards the, uh, Watzke and Sorg basically said, uh, we're not going to buy players for coaches anymore because that's what happens when you do that. Um, he, all right. Maybe, maybe we should back up a little bit here yeah. because he was not just bought to make Tuchel happy, but he was bought, um, to replace, uh, Hendrik Mikitarian. Not necessarily. Um, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> but, uh, Uh, Dortmund brought in, in Dembele and, and more at the same time. And basically the argument was, while well, the young players develop, Andre Schöler should be the instant fix on that position also yeah. from a defensive standpoint. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That always, of, that always works great. Like with Yamalenko. Amazing. Hey, yeah. Carry on. Yeah. Carry uh, on. <laughs> but yeah, we'll come to him in a second, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> that's, I think just didn't work out. Andre Schöler defensively, not all too impressive. Too often, and um, yeah, I, uh, I I I always wonder if he was the better choice, or if the number one, actual number one choice of Tuchel, uh, Karim Bellarabi, would have been the better choice. I think b both kind of equally bad. Yeah, any any who <laughs> it it didn't it didn't quite work out for Schule because uh, quickly it became evident that uh, he wasn't really playing. He was on the bench, and he was the most expensive signing with thirty millions from. Wolfsburg, of course. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I just don't, I just don't see it how, how Andre Schöle under, under, uh, Lucien Favre will, uh, excel. Um, there's obviously a chance, uh, for every player. It's a restart. And so Andre Schöle obviously may deserve that chance, but maybe also not and True. needs to be sold. But the question is, um, he's Who wants obviously. Them? Who wants him and who can pay for him? Yeah, that, and that, I'm not. Ta I'm not talking about the transfer fee necessarily, but uh, about Schiller's wage demands. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going to mention. I mean, that's one thing that has to come down. The Dortmund's wage uh, uh, kind of role is it? Um, or payroll? The, yeah, the payroll. Just the, it has to come down because it's it's insane what they're paying for some players that aren't either aren't playing or you know, aren't that good and that's just, uh, the thing about Schuller. if he was i don't know earning like two or three million a year and was was a bench player uh, i'd be okay with keeping him because he seems like a genuinely nice guy he gets along with the with his teammates mainly Royce and Götze And that's all good, but he isn't that. He's, he's probably one of the biggest earners at the club and he's not playing like it. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, Andre Schüller has his moments, uh, where, where, where he scores goals. And I think he can be a good impact player from the bench, um, when the opposition is tired. And, uh, I don't know. His, his crosses are decent. He has his qualities, I think, in counter-pressing. He can do a job and, uh, you know, defensively, he isn't entirely crap because he has a work rate, so he actually tracks back. And not, not always, though. And, um, overall, 
as as you said, it's it's just about the money, really. From a financial aspect, it just doesn't make sense to have him just because he doesn't deliver uh, the amount of uh, for, for the amount of money that Dortmund are paying him and have paid for him because uh, his first touch is just like a trampoline, and uh, you know he also needs like a radius of of 20 meters to turn around when he gets the ball and remember those two weeks he was amazing uh no so (laughs) (laughs) there was a time he was great on on, on, like genuinely good on on a counter as well but yeah unfortunately he isn't he didn't you know keep it up no the, the the problem really is that players obviously when they're in in full form feel fully fit then they perform but how long does that window last players do play a lot of games these days and at some point they will feel very tired and there's a a level of fatigue that will that players just drag throughout the season and uh, i think it's important to have players that still have a good performance level once they're in that sort of window where they're not feeling at 100% and once Schiller isn't at that uh, 100% window anymore, he is just useless, I feel. And he's always talking about, you know, getting into his best fitness level and finding that window where he, where everything is at 100%. But the reality is, and as much as it pains me in, in professional football, you are not in that window for a long time. Um so as as soon as he drops out of that window, you know, he often also just becomes a liability. You know, how many counterattacks happened uh, against Dortmund just because André Schüller lost the ball, he had an idea, took too long to get the ball to the player he wanted to get. And, you know, by that time, the opponent were already over the halfway line with the ball. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's just dangerous. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I think... I think he he could be a decent squad player, like I just described Gonzalo Castro. But you're right, as a as an expensive signing, and as uh, yeah, he basically gets star player money and just isn't that guy. So, um, yeah, I would agree with you. He needs to go and for <laughs> yeah, first start. To- uh, talking about windows, he should go get out of the door. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> as, as 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 tough as it is, but sometimes we need to have these tough com- conversations on on the yellow pot and. Uh, so yeah um who's the next guy on your list no you have number two now oh i have oh all right this uh, all right fine um (laughs) i'll 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 go i'll go for yamolenko then um yes controversial um but he is he was also too expensive i kind of want to give him another chance but i also don't think he uh is worth the money dortmund are spending on him i mean he costs 25 million and I just, I just don't see him improving a lot from last season. Yes, he had a great start, but then one good players, goal, basically. Yeah, players figured out what he can do and what he can't do. Basically, he has Run. one good foot. Yeah, <laughs> and as Lars always points out, Yamolenko is cooked after like five minutes in the yeah. game. His fitness is atrocious, and I just don't see how that will improve. And uh, my major criticism isn't his technique. It's not his his uh, lopsided f- 
Ness in, in not uh, not existing right foot you were going yeah, to basically. say basically yeah. and it's it's also yeah it's it's not his standing out although that's that's a problem it's just his defensive positioning and i think that's actually fixable i just don't know how long it will take and i just don't know if if Favre can manage to help him there but um the defensive awareness of andrea molenko is just terrible that might have been the result of playing too long in the ukrainian league where there's just wasn't such a focus on but especially in the high profile games especially against like let's say Bayern Munich or so he just often just didn't track back and uh, you know there was too much space for opponents to exploit and uh, you know in, instead of helping Dortmund he was often a liability and that was just yeah it, it's just just not helping and I don't see overall how you know from all the The faults we just mentioned about Yamolenko, I, I think that also this coming season would outweigh um, his his qualities that he definitely has. Um, so I would say he he can he should go as well. I don't know if there are any suitors. I don't know if the club actually wants to sell him right now, and maybe we'll eat a lot of humble pie in in half a year, or at least I will. But um, I, I think. You know, with with all the wingers you have right now, and we're talking about a bloated squad. Yamolenko just didn't work out. He was hit and miss, and so was his transfer. Um, I don't know, Luca, if you have a different opinion. Um, if you have, please be my guest. I I also have him on my list, not as high as you have, but I also have him on my list. So yeah, basically the same as Schuler. He would be a decent squad player, but. It's too expensive to be a squad player. Well, yeah. he wasn't my number two pick to to be dumped, but you know, I thought while well, we're at the winger All department, right. we'll just All right. <laughs> All right, but yeah, I think maybe if you if they don't get uh, a striker in, which I think is a real possibility, maybe try him out as a striker. Uh, at least he couldn't can't mess up defensively as much. Maybe <laughs> um, so. Maybe worth it. Yeah, and he also needs to do as much running. <laughs> yeah, true. That could help. That could help. <laughs> that, no, he he, he 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 definitely has a very lethal shot. Yeah. Also from I mean, he, he scored quite a few goals, didn't he? Like yes. he didn't play that much and scored decent a decent amount of goals. So he has some goals in him at least. Should we go right. to pick number three? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm going for an easy one here, Eric Dorm. All right, yeah, he was already half out the door, but then his wage demands killed the transfer to Huddersfield, where he would team up with uh, David Wagner. Yeah, um, al although I think Rune Richten kind of corrected their story and said um, Huddersfield came back with a, with different numbers, basically, than first agreed upon. So maybe not maybe not all the blame on Durham and also. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't actually put any blame yeah. on Durham here. No, because we we don't even know what happened. Get your money. It's okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or stay in Dortmund um, but but yeah Dorm has um, hardly featured yeah injury problems I think he, yeah. he he could could have been a decent backup at right back um, he, he he was never going to be a world class right back just not good enough footballer for that but he always had the best um, kind of fitness tests and uh, yeah kind of excelled at when that he, when he could run yeah yeah he, ex he excels at running and I think he could have been a really solid right back backup and uh, a good squad player and maybe if he stays healthy he can still be that so 
I wouldn't ha absolutely hate it for him to leave, uh, uh, to stay, sorry, because he doesn't earn that much money, but I, I still think he kind of should go. Yeah, it's it's not like that he's on a huge contract at Dortmund right now where he earns millions like Andre Schuller. Um, obviously, he's, he's still a decent amount uh, for for any any one of us here, but, um, you know, it's it's not like he asked for 10 million at at Huddersfield or so um so yeah i don't i think uh, over the course of this transfer window uh eric dom will find another club i i think uh that's pretty much clear um otherwise um yeah i don't i don't know if uh if favre would fancy him i mean so far in every coach he has played a role in, in some some way because he's a utility player and um yeah Tuchel always played him when he yeah, was fit he, basically yeah you, you can you can use him in in, in many ways so obviously we have often made fun of his first touch uh, <laughs> where the ball sometimes uh, goes away from him a little bit too far but otherwise he's not he's not terrible tactically he can be very important because of the the gaps he can close close by running um so you know, from a tactical standpoint, Doom is certainly a player that, that can do a decent job. He can, um, close down a lot of opponents. He can shut down opponents. Um, so if you want to man mark or, or, so, or just restrict the build up of your opponent to flow over the right or the left side, you can definitely use Doom for that. Um, so yeah, it's just a shame that he had been really stricken by by injuries so much but um yeah in the end I, I think he also needs to be on on that list just because uh he he needs to get a fresh start maybe and uh yeah that's that pick number four your turn nori, nori shine um <laughs> as much as i like nori shine as a, as a person as much as i like nori shine as a as a very important player in, in the dressing room, I just think that he is past his, uh, yeah. I mean, he started playing football with 16. I think he's still a record holder for, for a youngest debutant in, in the Bundesliga. And I, I think with 29 years now, uh, he's just spent, um, his legs aren't quick enough anymore. And he has also become a tactical liability. I mean, he certainly offers the qualities that you can utilize, but um, in in this world, in the Bundesliga, if you don't track back as a defensive midfielder, you will be haunted. And uh, Nuri Shine just uh, doesn't have the legs. Um, he still <laughs> Literally. tries to. He, he, yeah, he, he Man, was. No, I mean, sorry. he was never the fastest guy, even yeah. in his best year under under Jurgen Klopp. And to me, he is a perfect example of a player that perfectly worked in one system and thought of himself too much because of that and uh, then tanked elsewhere. Uh, he never really reached that level again after leaving Dortmund in what, what was it, 2011? And, uh, yeah. since then he was always, yeah, sort of looking for his form. I mean, when he came back the uh, first season, he actually was quite uh in integral for Dortmund not being entirely bad because he was uh, filling in for Ilkay Gunwan and he had to play a lot of <laughs> no. games yeah. where he shouldn't have played just because Dortmund didn't have any alternatives so yeah. uh with a ruptured exterior ligament I think even yeah so that, that that might actually have um 
played a part in why Nuri Shine looks shot now. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that season that really cost a lot of, uh, yeah, energy for him. Um, I don't know what, what Shine's plan is. Maybe he wants to retire, uh, when his contract runs out. I think he only has a year left or so. Um, I, the thing is, he also earns a lot of money and I just think Dortmund could use it a little bit better. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I can see why he is a very important character and, um, it's, it's certainly not easy to put him on the list, but I think the last season just has shown, especially under Peter Bosch, when he actually was like the, the designated player to play a key role in midfield. It just never really worked out. He had a couple of good games, but uh, it was never, um, on, on a level where you would say, wow, the ordinary shines back. And also him and, and Julian Weigel also don't work out at the same time on a, on a football field because they are too similar in, in their positioning. And, uh, yeah, then also you don't have a lot of, uh, vertical passes. But I actually think that Nuri Shine's vertical passes are still much better than whatever Julian Weigel offers. Anywho, yeah. now you can tell me if, if you would also put Shine on that list or whether you would keep him around. Yeah, strictly on the pitch, um, I would definitely put him on the list. Um, just not, you know, he just can't run anymore. <laughs> and uh, that's not good when you play football. And off the pitch, I, I would say he's he's definitely. I mean, as far as we can tell, he's definitely important. I mean, Pulisic always or Pulisic always talked about him how important he was. Um, Literally every young player always yeah, mentions Nuri yeah. Shine first he, as as uh, exactly. you know, the most influential guy. He helps out the young players and tries to integrate them. Obviously, uh, didn't do. A great job last season, apparently, because <laughs> that didn't work out so well. Maybe, yeah, but he also had his own problems. So, um, maybe he could come also back someone to that. very affected, I guess, by the attack yeah, on, yeah. on, on the team. Um, yeah. you know, this, this is very obviously he, uh, he, he wrote about it for the players tribune and you could really, uh, yeah, feel how much of an impact it had. Um, you know, Norishan obviously is a very, uh, I guess in, 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 in baseball, you would be the guy that catches the ball, <laughs> you know, behind the, <laughs> you know. Yeah, um, that, that's a great baseball analogy. Yeah. I have no, no idea. No, the, the, the guy that stands on home plate, I just can't think of the, I don't the know. position right now. It's but, probably um, catcher. Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, knowing, knowing American sports, the guy who catches the ball is catcher. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, <laughs> and but, the guy who, who, I don't know. I, I guess my American audience uh, knows where I'm getting at because they are probably usually the guys that, that can read the game most and have a very strategical mind. And the same thing can be uh, said about Nuri Shine. He, uh, from a tactical standpoint, has a very uh, yeah good vision, I would say. He can read the play, he can describe tactical uh, phenomena and... Uh, <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for his legs just not working as, as well as he, he would like, I, I think he could be a very decent player. Um, but it's just not the case anymore. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll see him become a footballing coach at some point in his uh, career. I think he and already he, is, right? He's already coaching he, like a, an amateur. Yeah. yeah uh, he's already coaching his, his local team. Yeah. Uh, Meinert Sagen something, something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, yes, he is, um, 
Yeah, as as much as it pains me, but he would actually go on that list. So, um, who's next on 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 the list for you? Yeah, I was kind of torn between Shine and uh, Rode because I think there are too many midfielders, but also not as many that both of them should leave. At least not if not any somebody else comes in, because I mean we also have that injury to Julian Weigel, which we don't know how bad it is and how long he will be out for. But it kind of sounds like he'll be out for a while. I already found a replacement for him. He's gonna join on the free. It's Max Meyer. Oh it's yeah, no yeah. brain. <laughs> Amazing transfer, <to> Stefan. <laughs> Um, and now we're all, you know, we can all be happy you're not a sporting director. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I would leave Rode off then and, uh, come to kind of, I think kind of controversial one. But um, actually we, we do have to discuss Rode as well. Okay. Then let, let's, let's talk about Rode. Because you at, at least have to point out why you think he should stay on. I mean, depth. Yes, but give me a little bit more here. Yeah, depth is obviously the reason number one. Um, reason number two is I think he can be a useful squad player when, if he st manages to, to stay healthy. That's obviously a big if with him, but he still has legs <laughs> in contrast to Shaheen. He's not as good, um, a footballer, but I think he can still, you know, fulfill a role. He can still be that, I don't know, let's say Bender in midfield. Um, kind of hides on the ball and excels off the ball. I would, I, I actually would like to make the point about Rode, and I would actually agree with you why he should maybe stay on. Um, if we think to Favre's tenure at, at Gladbach and when he was successful, um, you know, he had defensive midfielders called Harvard Nordfeld and uh, Kramer. So and not Ch really the Chaka most, late, late and, and Chaka obviously, yeah. so not the most technical guys. And uh, I wouldn't want to rely entirely just on Delaney to do the job. I think you you still need uh, some depth on that position. I think uh, Sebastian Rode, I mean, he has been made fun of a lot for, I don't right. know, just... Rightfully so sometimes. For, for, for being the club mascot at, at, <laughs> at some point and not really doing anything else. And, uh, <laughs> And announcing you know. that Bosch would leave, probably. Yes. And <laughs> uh, no, uh, uh, no, Stöger, sorry. Stöger yeah, Stöger, yeah. 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 But, um, I, I still think there, there is a place for him at Dortmund if he can use the, the, the preseason well. And, uh, as, as you said, he has, he has qualities also. I would actually say he can be, he can do that banner role, maybe. Even with a little bit more skill on the ball. Yeah, true. Um, so I would like to see him around and, and play a few more minutes now because ever since he left Frankfurt, I, I spelled it out once at the podcast. I don't have the, the stats right in front of me, but uh, since then he hasn't played a lot of minutes <laughs> to put it mildly. And, um, yeah, I think in his last season at, at Frankfurt, he played the same amount of, of time he has played ever since leaving or so. Something, something like that. So it's, it's really not good for Sebastian Rude. Um, but, uh, I think there's a way back for him. So he actually would not necessarily be on my list. So who, who was the next guy for you? Uh, yeah, kind of controversial. I think, uh, Rafael Guerrero would be my next choice. Well, as rumor has it, Thomas Tuchel wants him yeah, to they, lure him. That that they would fit together. Um, <laughs> uh, All right, yeah. explain yourself. Uh, he's not a good left back. 
uh, at least not a great left back. Um, he's, he's all right. He's really good offensively. He can, he can do everything you want from a left back, I think. Um, I, I don't think you could ask for a much better, um, left back going forward, but you can also not ask for much worse left back going backwards on that level, at least. He, um, kind of, I, I mean, he, he, he even seems kind of lazy sometimes. He just, you know, jogs back or walks back sometimes. And, uh, on, on one on ones, he's in the, he's in the best, not, the most aware guy defensively where he has to be, which, which spaces he has to cover. And, um, I think that's, that's a problem. And, um, uh, I think it was kicker. I'm not sure. Um, some magazine, magazine wrote, um, Favre doesn't see him as a left back. He sees him more as a midfielder if he stays. And I think, I mean, that would be okay, but I also think he would be one of the players who could generate some money. Um, and he would probably get Dortmund, uh, you know, a decent fee. And that's, that's needed because they're still, you know, the striker is still, uh, you know, they're still looking for a striker and they need money for that. And maybe they are looking for, uh, I mean, a left back to replace, uh, Guerrero, who knows? So they kind of need money. And, um, besides all that on the pitch, off the pitch, there have been so many rumors about Guerrero. Not being the most professional, not being the most respect, uh, uh, respectful guy. Um, yeah, there once was a story that uh, the team manager would go uh, grocery shopping for him. Yeah, <laughs> that I think that has been dismissed. But uh, <laughs> yeah, by himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's also not entirely. Uh, yeah, you know, impossible. I mean, there's 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 just too much smoke for there not to be some sort of a fire. I don't know how At big the fire some is. At least some smoldering, I guess. Um. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, uh, but yeah, there's there's too much talk about him not being the most professional one. Well, the problem is with Rafael Guerrero, the idea of of losing a player with that amount of technical skill will always hurt. Yeah. So you will always be torn if you actually say, okay, let's let's get rid of them, um, just because uh, uh, you know there are just so many amazing things he can do. But um, it's 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 you know, if you do the old-fashioned pro and contra list on the uh, good old legal pad, then, uh, you know, there will also be a lot of points on, on the contra list. And uh, you mentioned already his, his uh, lackluster backtracking. You know, the entire defensive, I don't know, equipment is lacking. Um, I I got blocked <laughs> by him on, on Twitter because I posted uh, a, a, a gif <laughs> Good job. of 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 him uh, not uh, defending. There was like a ball in the air, and he just never so went you, up for the so head. So you're, you're the first person he actually blocked. I don't know. Maybe. He doesn't. He doesn't do that on the pitch. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I actually made the same joke on Twitter to someone <laughs> once that you know, if he was blocking as many people, uh, as many balls on the field as he's doing on on, on uh, Twitter, then he would be fine. Uh, but that, yeah, it's 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 a problem. And even as a midfielder, uh, you need to track back in some form. And uh, maybe Favre can quote unquote repair him in that department, but um. I personally feel, and that is a very, it's, it's nothing factual, obviously, because that's just a hunch. But, um, when uh, Dortmund officials are talking about that, uh, they need to, 
um find more players with a winning mentality that want to be more team players yada yada and uh, maybe put less of a focus on technical players i always feel like when they say that line you know they always cite rafael guerrero because he is exactly the sort of player that excels in the technical department who has a you know amazing first touch who can score a lot of great goals who finds you know passes who can create who can be that number eight player everyone wants who can um, create so much but uh, then you know when when things get a little bit rocky he just disappears and um, I just don't know if uh, his future lies with Dortmund in that regard despite him being such such a yeah illustrious technical player to me it's 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 a really difficult one because he was also obviously struggling with injury and i think um you know the the bus attack or the the bombing of the players that really had an impact with him as well um so it's 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 a really really a tough one um it's it's not a straightforward yes he needs to be on that list sort of scenario but uh, he definitely needs to be in that conversation yeah i would agree All right, so next, I guess, is uh, Jeremy Toyan. <laughs> yeah. Also not a straightforward one for me because obviously Lukas Piszczek is 300 years old. Uh, and has no hips. And has no hips. Um, yeah. That's although, a factual statement. Yeah, he although he's a, he's a father of two, so he needs some hips. Um, <laughs> and, anywho. Doesn't he have fake hips or something? I don't know. Like, um, he's half robot. I don't want to go into much uh, detail, but uh, Lukas Piszczek is a very important player for Dortmund. We have seen it last season that I was uh, telling everyone how bad he was while he was playing, only to find out that it's worse when he's not there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that goes for a lot of players. Yeah, um, but <laughs> that, that, that that's obviously a dilemma. Um, Jeremy Toya now hasn't really impressed anyone. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment. He had a good couple of minutes against Tottenham on the left side, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not that he really, I don't know. I, I think Jeremy Toyan could do a decent job in the same position that Nico Schulz is excelling at, at Hoffenheim right now. Um, oh, because... don't you dare compare him to Nico Schulz. That's, yeah. an, that's an insult. To, to 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 anyone any anyone who gets compared to Nico Schulz, that's an insult. <laughs> um, Yeah, but 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 my point is Julian Nagelsmann at Hoffenheim managed to use his left back in in this regard as as a system player where his strengths are highlighted and his weaknesses are hidden and I think the same counted for Jeremy Toyan at Hoffenheim even though he never fully impressed me and he was always sort of a hopeful prospect But never really, you know, nobody really know how it work out for him. Um, so far as first season at Dortmund, um, was so, so, I guess. And, um, I don't know. He's sort of a player where I would want to say wait and see. Um, but on, on the other hand, Dortmund are also already looking for a new guy, uh, on, on that position to loan someone out. Um, so I don't know if, if Toyan should actually stick around or whether, For the sake of his own personal development, uh, it would be best for him to just look for a different club. What do you think, Luca? I'm 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 really torn on him because yeah, uh, he he just doesn't seem to be the most intelligent guy in, in his decision making tactically. So yeah, I, I feel I feel the same. I I wouldn't you know I wouldn't be 
absolutely devastated should he should he stay and i wouldn't be devastated should he leave um so it's kind of a i mean it's okay either way basically um the only reason i wouldn't like him for him to leave is that i would i i had to admit to myself that, I'm, that i was totally wrong about him because i thought he was <laughs> he was really good um, yeah when you also <laughs> came that uh thought you park would be like an enormous transfer yeah i'm not sure I don't remember, but uh, he was an enormous <laughs> transfer just for the Jubo part mo moment. And, yeah, and, you are welcome. <laughs> and uh, after your question, which was probably one of the top five moments in the Bosch era, um, the top one, basically top one. Yeah, moment. yeah. If, if people don't know what we're referring to, I was asking. Uh, you know, I think Eric Dome was just again picking up an injury in Marcel Melzer as well. Oh. Uh, it was very early in the season, and I asked uh, him about <laughs> Jubo Park. Yeah, uh, yeah, yes, Peter Bosch, and um, obviously at this time, Yuhu Park was banished to the second team, and so I obviously asked, you know, I th I thought it was a good question, uh, why not consider him? I mean, he's someone with Bundesliga experience, and um, I think uh, Anne Niehurst was uh, the the uh, press officer for this press conference, and. And Peter Bosch turned to him. He's like, "You were part," and like, uh, yeah, I, I, I need help. Like, I need help. Who is that? Yeah, help me here. And <laughs> and uh, he was like injured a lot, and 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 plays for the second team. Yeah, and yeah. basically the the the, the, the initial question was, "You were part," <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't correctly hear what Bosch said, so I just said yes. <laughs> So Wait. that may, that may, may, may might have made it even worse, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm slightly deaf. I apologize, which is why I once uh, misunderstood uh, uh, Sven Bender chant for Peter Sugar chant. <laughs> not not my best moment, um, but yeah. So this is this uh, why Yubo part became a legend now at Dortmund. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah. So great Jeremy answer. Tolian. So I was I was totally right about your Park, even though I don't know if I if I liked him. Um, yeah, uh, Toyan, I I really liked. Um, in the moments I saw him for Hoffenheim, basically, you're right. Uh, Nagelsmann is just really good at putting players into roles they excel in and they're good in. That's kind of what good coaches do and that what, what coaches didn't do last season at Dortmund. Um, so <laughs> maybe, <good> <laughs> <coaches>. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, so maybe, uh, Toyan could, uh, you know, play a better role under Favre because he's, he seems to be a good coach and maybe, uh, you know, could find a suitable role for him I, I would like that but yeah as you said they're already looking at uh, Hakimi from from Real Madrid to learn him out which is I know they're kind of the same age kind of uh, I don't know about quality I haven't seen Hakimi that much except for in the youth league where he played amazingly against Dortmund and, and scored a goal so yeah Yeah, but signing everyone that scores a goal or two against Dortmund doesn't always work out so well. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Shiba was amazing. <laughs> Shiba was amazing, though. So I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, <laughs> all right. Who's who's the next one on your list? Uh, oh no, I, no, I have flashbacks of that one game in Berlin where I was in the stadium, <laughs> and then then some guy miraculously ran through Dortmund's defense and scored, and I asked my friend, "That wasn't Julian Shiba, was it?" And then yeah, it, turned it, was, out it was Julian Shiba. Yeah, it was uh, the amazing <laughs> ability by Sebastian Kiel uh, oh, that's uh, making Julian Shiba look like Messi for like two seconds. Yeah, and Mikishan got injured by shooting. I remember. Um, yeah, great game. <laughs> 
It was fun. Um, however, <laughs> let's get back to our list. Uh, I have, I have two more names on my list. Um, the first one kind of depends on whether we get uh, managing to sign a striker or not. Um, Isak. Uh, I'm not sure if I would let him go permanently, but I would be happy to let him leave on loan and, uh, you know, develop elsewhere. He was also one of the guys which, you know, there were some, there was some talk about him not training that well and not, you know, not being the most disciplined guy in the world and not taking criticism so well. So, uh, I mean, maybe loan him out to the, the second division or something and, uh, you know, try to fix him, so to say, because I think there's a lot of talent and we saw it when he came on in a few Bundesliga games. Um, he didn't, he didn't score, but he was so unlucky though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how close did he come to score? Like so. Yeah. Three or four times, like nearly goals. Yeah, and he has great technical ability, especially for his size, good holder play, and I think he has everything to become a good striker. So um I, I kinda don't want him to let him go permanently, but you know, maybe alone would do him would do him well. Alright, here's the thing. I don't think that Dortmund will be able to sign a striker as dominant as, say, Batshuayi or Aubameyang or whoever. I yeah. think. Yeah, I think so too. If, if there's going to be another signing, there still might be space for Alexander Isak. And, um, Dortmund obviously have, uh, you know, realized they need to improve their culture of discipline and professionalism. And I guess we'll get to that in a second um, when we talk a little bit about Sebastian Kehl's uh, opening press conference, or I, because you didn't watch it, of course. Uh, but I, 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 yeah. Um, but <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> I mean, you didn't really miss much. Uh, it's basically the next Oliver Bierhoff. Um, but no, to 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 be a little bit more serious, I think that um, Dortmund overall as a team they obviously will become a little bit more disciplined and professionalism will be, uh, you know, more on the agenda and will be more important. And then we'll, you know, that will be a filter. And uh, either Isa can adjust and, and make that cut or he won't. Yeah. Uh, that's very simple. I think, um, as you said, he has everything that he needs to be a really good striker. Um the goals that he didn't score <laughs> where he just closely missed in, in games against Berlin, for example, or, or Wolfsburg um, in the second half of the season where Aubameyang was, uh, you know, able. Um, he at least created chances where other strikers just wouldn't have created that chance to miss in the first place. So he is still a player I have very high hopes for where I, I see a lot of potential just as you and I would really like to see it all work out in the end. So I would give him the benefit of adopt. He's still a very young guy. I think he's 19 now. So, uh, you know, still a lot of personality to develop there. Um, so he is not on my list. Um, but I, I can see why alone would make sense. Uh, if, if, uh, you know, playing time just doesn't, seem to be an an obvious given and I think Christian Pulisic always highlights how important it is for a player his age to play regular football and if Dortmund can provide that alone would certainly make sense I don't know what the best fit in that re regard would be uh, whether that 
should be in the Bundesliga, in the second division, or outside. I don't know. Do you have an idea of a team that would actually really be a good fit? I I always like Freiburg because they have such a nice, um, you know, mentality, so to say, or such a good culture within their club. But I, I'm not sure how they look striker-wise. So yeah, where's Nils Petersen going? <laughs> yeah, I no idea. So yeah, I I I don't have a specific club, and I also, I mean, it's the same with Guerrero. We can hope that Favre, who has a not only a reputation, but who has proven that he can work with kind of difficult characters. I mean, yeah. Got, also, Isaac is got, not exactly Balotelli. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, he got Balotelli and had a Manafa to work, and uh, maybe he can get Guerrero and Isaac to work. Who knows? So um they're not per se difficult in the same way, but you know, kind of it's said that they're kind of lazy and all that stuff. So not not that professional. So maybe that'll all change. And like you said, Isaac is still young. There's still a lot to learn for him, and um, and and, and that he's still able to learn a lot. Basically, yeah, he's, he's actually still, still able still to learn. 18 years old. Yeah. He will turn yeah. 19 in, I mean, in September. So. And all the dumb stuff we did when we were 18. So. He can yeah. still, he can still change. So yeah, uh, I mean, loan, if, if a good club comes up, I would still be happy with the loan, but also if he, if he stays also good. All right. Who's the next on your list? Do you have another guy on your list? No. Okay. I, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um, I have a hunch and it's not going to be a nice conversation. No. Um, I have one more name, but it's, I, I would hate to see him go, honestly. I just want to have the conversation because I can see some reason to let So you want to play devil's advocate, that's what you are doing. Uh, kinda, kinda. Alright, that's fair. Kinda. I, I often um, assume that position here too, so it's, I'm, I'm glad that someone else does it. So, uh, Mario Götze. <laughs> that's the player, you know, <laughs> we, we had this question. You know, what makes you hopeful for the future? And I think I, I named Mario Götze as, as one of the reasons for why people can be hopeful about Borussia Dortmund's future. So go ahead and now. Yeah. And I can see that, but I can also see why it would make sense to let him go. So, um, the argument here is uh, similar to Schürrle and Jamulenko. Um, he's the, I mean, it's not officially, but I think kind of everyone knows he, he he's the second highest earner at the club behind Marco Reus. Does he play like one or did he play like one so far? I don't think so. Um, will he? I have no idea. Um, he, he just seems physically he's, he's not, it's not as bad as Nuri Shine, but he also doesn't have the legs anymore. Like he, like he used to. And then we have the question, can he still play as a number 10? On, on, on the level Dortmund need, I don't think so. And there, there are some murmurs that Lucien Favre doesn't like him as a central midfielder. And if that turns out to be true, I think it would make, make, uh, sorry, it would make sense to let him go because, um, you have, he earns so much money. Uh, he wouldn't play on his best position, which is, I think is, is a central midfielder like a number eight nowadays, maybe in yes. a four, four through three. Um, just assuming that it's, it's true that Favre doesn't see him there. Um, because as we talked about, Favre likes guys who can run in midfield basically and gets a, can't really do that anymore. He can run a lot. Like he can cover a lot of distance, but he can't cover that distance in a, you know, fast. So, 
that that that's a problem i think and um as uh, with all that health stuff going on and also maybe mental health stuff um at least the his doctor in, in the new documentary uh, documentary which came out about him said that it also took like a lot of uh, mental capacity for him to you know kind of get over this metabolism thing he had which which the doctor said resulted from overtraining basically training too much on his own um which you can kind of see because he built up so much muscle and he has basically the same problem as as Felix Paslak all those muscles need uh, oxygen right and then you kind of tire out because you uh, you don't have that much oxygen anymore um so i think all those are problems and uh, you know i i I, I know that your rebuttal will be that he's still probably the best footballer in the in the team, at least on technical level. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think I've made my case many times <laughs> enough, but I actually have to agree with you. If there is a scenario where uh, Lucien Favre doesn't create that or, or doesn't want him to play in, in central midfield where he is best and most comfortable at then it's 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 tricky because as you said he earns a lot of money and uh, Dortmund are not PSG or Manchester City where they just can't throw cash around but they have to be very sensible and uh, need to pay a lot uh, for for the players that actually do a lot so um and also Dortmund still have Shinji Kagawa who um yeah you know in case Götze isn't there Kagawa can do almost you know the the same job pretty much with with similar quality maybe maybe not as good but Kagawa has a lot of qualities and we saw it uh, in this world cup as well that uh, you know he is definitely you know a, a guy that you want to have on your team so um i can see where you're coming from but um i i just wouldn't wouldn't uh, sell him this summer uh, because you know, you first need to wait and see if it actually works out or not. So for this summer, he would definitely not be on the list. If after this season or half season, I would give him a whole year though. Um, if it doesn't work out for him, then you can definitely talk about him. Um, but for now, I, I think he can be way too, too crucial. And there's just too much upside for now. Um, because Mario Götze has been also improving at the end of the season and he has been you know he carried Dortmund through the first half of the season uh, he offered a lot of structure and he is such an intelligent player I just don't see why Favre wouldn't make the best of him that would be really a shame I mean yes Mario Götz isn't the player anymore uh, that goes into eight one-on-one -on -one duels per game and wins most of them and He is also not a number 10 that set up goals the way he did. And he's also not a goal scoring machine anymore. Yes, all these stats have significantly tanked, um, since he left Dortmund. However, uh, he still has so much qualities on, on other parts on the field. And I don't know. I, I think he can actually become a fan favorite again. I don't know. That's a very contro controversial subject as well. Because he, you know, a lot of fans perceive him as like the first guy who, who, who left and, and, and who betrayed the fans. Although to me, that original guy is still Nori Shine, <laughs> if you want to put it like this. But, uh, you know, Mario Götze leaving for Bayern, you know, a whole world collapsed for a lot of fans because they saw 
like the 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 dream team that promised that they would all stay together sort of sort of failed with with him going to Bayern um so that's that's still you know a lot of people are not over that but I don't know Luca do you think that Mario Götze can sort of reclaim the hearts of Dortmund fans I, I think he still he already has won over a lot of Dortmund fans since since returning but uh, not the entire base yet um <laughs> I, I I think he won't win over basically I don't know how to call them the hardcore fans or so um there's that too much stuff happened but I I still think he could win over the majority probably and uh Kinda already has, so at least half of them, I would say. And I would agree that he played a much better season than people give him credit for. And also, should he leave, even though I put him on my list, should he leave? I would always ask myself, what if kinda with him, you know? What if he got back to his best? And what if, uh, kinda, I don't know, uh, Favre gets the best out of him and finds a perfect role for him? How good can he still be and all that? So it would still suck to see him go, but you know. Also, could... we 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 mustn't underestimate his uh, role as a friend <laughs> to Marco Royce. I mean, I think that that also Mario gets to being at, at the team or in the team positively influenced Marco Royce's decision to stay on and extend his contract despite having an offer from Manchester City, and you know, basically could have gone literally anywhere um but he he decided to stay on and, and extend to 2023 in in a time where things weren't also we great at Dortmund. so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, uh, yeah we talk i think we we've talked enough about about all right it. all right so <laughs> so yeah mario uh, mario the best thing here was uh officially presented as the uh Head of the whatever, yeah, player department. I think was the official term at some point. I don't, I don't know. So he's basically becoming Zorg's number two, if you want, because Michael Zorg has rightfully explained that he, as a sporting director, needs to put so much focus on on the transfer market these days that he doesn't really have the time to fulfill his responsibilities as a sporting director when it comes to talking to the players and really knowing what's going on in the team. So Michael, uh, yeah, Sebastian Kehl has been installed as, as the guy, uh, who basically as an intermediary between the, the, uh, you know, headquarters and, and the club, uh, and, and the players. Excuse me. So he's going to be very vital, very close to the team and, and will have a very big role. And in his first press conference, he, he said that he has a lot of different tasks and uh, that he already enjoys great responsibility. And he obviously, officially, he started on, on June 1st, but he has been around for longer. And, uh, you know, what once was described as a trifecta with between uh, Zorg, Klopp and, and Watzke now is basically uh, a council of four. <laughs> I don't know, Luca, what, what shall we name it? Uh, Matthias Sammer, Sebastian Kehl, Zorg and Watzke. Is it the high council? I don't know. Um, but uh, <laughs> basic, basically, this is, this is the new setup, uh, how Dortmund uh, try to improve 
their decision-making overall with uh, Sebastian Kiel, someone who obviously has a lot of experience himself, who, you know, did the entire spiel of going through the, uh, uh, the, the sporting manager course at the UEFA and, and become, you know, a little bit more, yeah, smart about how sport business works. And obviously he has a coaching license, CSA license as well. So, you know, he, I think, made the transition from becoming a professional player to, uh, yeah, from being a professional player to becoming more of a team manager and all that goes with it. And he has uh, said that, um, you know, he, he is trying to improve the structure of all, um, of Borussia Dortmund. He says that, you know, topics are, you know, obviously surrounding the team, but also the medical and then the rehab and the fitness department, you know, sports science, I guess, would be the word, uh, you, know, you know, to have an umbrella term. And in his first press conference, he was really talking a lot about, um, you know, values. But what I found very striking was he um, said that the analysis of the past season basically has resulted in, in the takeaway that they have a demand uh, to make changes at the staff and, um, you know, at the staff around the team. And I guess the most prominent guy that left recently is Massimo Mariotti. He uh, acted as a scout slash, I guess, was he a fitness coach? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I think sure. mo okay. mo mo most prominently, obviously, as a translator for all the guys. Um, I don't know. So he is outdoor i'm not entirely sure maybe we'll learn the that move i think he moved to stuttgart now um yeah um we'll learn a little bit more as, as time progresses whether that you know falls on on you know his presence i guess maybe enabled that at least would be my theory for for some players to be a little bit more complacent about their own integration into the team yeah some some people kind of jokingly said oh players have to learn german now yeah so yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, but that's a natural reaction i, I yeah. don't know if it's true or not but uh, you would you might come to that conclusion again i don't know if it's actually true or not but um yeah Dortmund will make a couple of changes i guess in, in their staff because um they want to and the bus and kills assessed so i thought that was quite interesting I don't know who else will go and, and come in. Obviously, there will be a new assistant coach for Lucien Favre, but um, uh, I guess the guy they had in mind, which is Hannes Wolf, didn't work out. So we'll see about that. Um, and uh, Kiel basically has, has phrased that there is a new attitude of what they will demand from the team, that they will implement new rules, I guess, rules of behavior or whatnot. I don't, he, he didn't want to really dwell on it and, and uh, reveal anything more. So, you know, he, he kept everything very broad. Um, but he wants a to living create phrase, a living phrase book. Yeah. At least that's, that's what yeah, it is he, on Twitter he, as well. He, he, he won, yeah, <laughs> sadly. Um, but yeah, he wants to create a new atmosphere and that atmosphere is a very disciplined one and he wants to <laughs> create that Dortmund feeling. <laughs> Again, I'm just paraphrasing here yeah. <laughs> with the uh, connotation on phrasing. Um, so 
because he said in the past there were a couple of things that didn't really fit to Dortmund and that everyone needs to find their place at Dortmund and that he expects players to accept that there's a reset, a restart and uh, you know, he was talking about values and and, and, uh, virtues and that Dortmund is a working town and you know, he wants players to identify with the city that they need to feel that's a privilege to play for that club and so you know he wants players to have respect and be humble and so just overall show a very great readiness to to perform and he no, was, no, now you said be humble i have a kendrick lamar year one what but go on no don't you know that sit down be humble uh, go on <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> yeah, he was also talking about the performance culture and he wants to improve the uh, relationship between fans and the team and that uh, the fans can better identify with the team and vice versa. And uh, overall, he said that uh, he expects his players and I guess we're looking at the likes of Guerrero and Isaac here, maybe, uh, you know, a more professional attitude toward their job. And uh He also said, which stuck with me a little bit, that it only really starts when you arrive at Dortmund, you know, because I th I think that was a little, little, um, you know, hint at a lot of players becoming complacent as soon as they arrive in, in Dortmund, that they feel that, you know, as soon as they've signed their contract, that they've made it. And, uh, you know, he wants, to make clear that that's absolutely not the case once you, you know, become a Dortmund player, once you done that shirt that, you know, you're only really at the beginning, you're starting. And uh, I guess he wants less complacency at the club in, in all fields <laughs> to, to sum it up. I don't know what you think about that appointment, uh, but I think it's a very necessary one. Um, it's good that, that Zorg mostly, uh, recognize that there is uh, yeah something uh, a void that needs to be filled and that it helps them to be a little bit more flexible in, in their process and, and have also a little bit more oversight overall I think that's very important and obviously Sebastian Kiel is started to become you know and to morph into that sporting director role because Michel Zorc doesn't want to be at the club forever, I guess. Uh, so what, what do you make of, of this appointment, Luca? Because I don't think you have really gave your opinion yet. Yeah, I don't think disappointment is a disappointment. Um, okay, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's really late here. I'm sorry. Um, no, I, I generally think it's a sign of strength, not of uh, weakness that they, uh, kind of noticed that there is something missing that they need a guy to kind of have be the link between player and players and, um, you know, the officials and the players and the fans, which kind of is kind of getting a, uh, you know, a bigger problem every season because the fans aren't really, or at least the ultras, um, you know, they, they don't really feel a connection to the team anymore. And the, the atmosphere in the stadium is also getting worse, which kind of maybe has something to do with that as well. So that definitely needs working on. So I think it's good that they play, that they brought someone in. Obviously, it's tough to judge whether Kiel is the right choice for that or not, but he always seemed like a, 
you know, so like a good guy, like a leader on the pitch. Um, he's not, I mean, every time he speaks in public, he, it always sounds like, you know, like we said, like copied from a phrase book. It's not really clear what he wants to say. It's really broad every time. So we will have to wait until he actually starts working. And yeah, but that, that's, that's also his external. Yeah, as, 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 yeah. I, I think he's obviously. very well aware about what he can say in, in, in public. And, obviously. Uh, he also doesn't want to go too much into detail. I think that's a very different uh, thing you will get from him uh, in, in, in private and within yeah. closed ranks. You know, it, it might obviously sound cheesy, um, but I think the club wants to create a little bit more identity. I think that's important to them. And uh, the thing is, he he embodies that he fully identifies with Borussia Dortmund and if they want to have a guy that um yeah sort of uh, lifts that and and is supposed to be a role model um you know there are just not too many options out there so the bus and kill in in that regard at least if you want to create a sense of identity and and uh, someone also who may stay loyal uh, you know um then he's a good choice so full stop Yeah, and I think that's that's also why they want to, you know, bring in former players and all that. All right. So as people may have heard, my wife has arrived, and I think that's a very good time. <laughs> that rhymed. <laughs> to to end the episode, we have been uh, plugging away for yeah over an hour now. So Luca, I will Ooh. let you go to bed. Yeah, we're almost Thank you. one and a half hours or so. Um, so thanks again for uh, doing this little uh, yeah d dump draft. <laughs> if 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 you want, uh, it was fun. You know, I wanted it to be a little bit rambly and not entirely serious. So yeah, it was had, literally had, a mock draft. We yeah. mocked the players. Yeah, okay. it, it, it had to be. <laughs> so thank, thanks again for for coming on. Um, and uh, listeners. Where can they find you on the interwebs? They shouldn't, but uh, on Twitter at uh, Fiedekirch. All right. Very nice. You can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. You can find the entire entire Yellow Wallpot and the presence on yellowwallpot.com. And Yellow Wallpot is also our Facebook and Twitter handle. If you want to subscribe to our show in various ways, please do that on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud or your podcatcher of choice. And if you feel the need to contribute financially after uh, we talked so much about, uh, you know, overblowing salaries, um, <laughs> please do that on patreon.com slash the yellow wall. You know, if you put in a quid or two, that would be nice. And I think we'll be back next week. And I'm actually will, you know, hopefully, hopefully use the time and uh, do some Borussia Dortmund fans from the world to, around the world segments. So that's hopefully something to look forward to. So, Luca, thanks again for coming on. And to everyone else out there, thank you for listening. And uh, I hope everyone sort of slowly but surely gets excited about the new season. I can certainly feel it a little bit already. So um, there's that. And with that, until next week, goodbye.